Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is October the 15th, 2021. And boy, what a week it has been. I hope you have all been doing well uh, personally. But boy, America, (laughs) we've got serious problems. Um, And I think it's becoming more evident to everybody, irrespective of political orientation. And what I want to do, pardon me, is call upon my years of experience with the INS, the Immigration and Naturalization Service, to do a little bit of a deep dive today in a number of immigration-related issues um, that are percolating to the surface. But I want to start out with the article that was just published on Front Page Magazine that I wrote. And and this really is so infuriating and upsetting to me, but I think it's also upsetting to everybody in America today. I I know that's painting with a broad brush, but when the administration of the federal government, the president's administration, looks inward and declares that American citizens are the biggest threat to national security from the perspective of terrorism, we're in deep trouble. We are definitely in uncharted waters. I've never heard anything like this before. I never could have imagined uh, seeing this anywhere, but here we go, and here we are. The article that I wrote, and I urge everybody to please go to Front Page Magazine after this show. Read my article. If you like it, I want you to do a simple thing. Forward it to everybody that you can. Forget about where they stand on Trump or Biden. Just let's look at the issues. I want you to be part of my bucket brigade of truth. You know, I'm very happy uh, that lately I've been doing a lot of uh, interviews on Newsmax virtually once a week, which is good. I'll be doing a whole bunch of more radio programs and podcasts next week. Dr. Dave Janda, Operation Freedom, has asked me to do a podcast for him because people are looking at what is happening with alarm, alarm for a couple of reasons. The title Targeting American parents. The Biden administration finds new domestic terrorists. You know, I wrote about something that was the lead on to this just a couple of weeks earlier for Front Page. As America, as the world approached the 20th anniversary of the terror attacks of 9-11, the Department of Homeland Security issued a press release about possible terror threats. Well, that makes sense. We know that the terrorists are very big on anniversaries, very big on publicity. They're trying to win a war of propaganda, psychological warfare. There were heightened concerns with the potential for terror attacks. And then, of course, came Afghanistan. And without getting too much into the weeds, what Biden did, and and even um, people that were part of the Obama administration are looking at Afghanistan with shock and horror. This is the catastrophe. It's a catastrophe that won't go away quickly. The media may not want to talk about it. They may try to ignore it. But the reality is that what Joe Biden did created for the United States of America, in my judgment, in my judgment, 
the greatest threat of the terror attacks within our borders that has ever existed, even on September 10th, 2001. I know it's a big statement, but understand the facts. Afghanistan was terror central for ISIS, Al-Qaeda, and other terrorist organizations. America sent its troops to Afghanistan to deprive these terrorist organizations from having a homeland, if you will, a place that they could use as a center for training, plotting, and attracting terrorists from all over the world. And our troops, of course, were highly successful. And it didn't come easily. We spent God knows how much money, but that's not even the issue. It's how many American soldiers, men and women, all the armed forces, went there, either did not come home or came home physically or mentally damaged, perhaps both. They made those incredible sacrifices for America and Americans. And Joe Biden squandered every damn effort. Because Afghanistan is today, once again, the center for terror. The Taliban is in charge, and they may have their differences with some of these terrorist groups, but at the end of the day, they are united against the common enemy, and we are that enemy. We have given to Iran an incredible opportunity for them to accomplish their terrorist gender agenda. China is in the middle of this. Russia is in the middle of this. And the person that bears complete responsibility is one Joseph Biden. By pulling out the troops before he pulled out the people, before he pulled out the weaponry, he pulled out the troops. As I wrote in a prior article, when you go to the range, the sequence of orders are ready, aim, fire. He fired first. When you give instructions to skydivers, you tell them, pull the ripcord before impact. Joe Biden has basically pulled the ripcord after impact. And you have a tragedy and a disaster of incalculable uh, severity. Tens of billions of dollars of high-tech American weaponry are now in the hands of the terrorists. Period. End of statement. 5,000 battle-hardened terrorists who were in custody have been released. They are back on the field. And, in fact, many of them are involved with the Taliban government right now. This is a nightmare of a level of proportion that I did not think even an imbecile like Biden was capable of pulling off. I mean, did he do it intentionally? Did he do it because he's a fool? Did he do it because he's senile? I have no idea what the motivation was. I do know what the effect has been and continues to be and will continue to be, uh, arguably, for decades. Our allies are scared to death of this guy in the Oval Office. The Brits have become uncorked. The French are furious. It's one catastrophe after another catastrophe after another catastrophe. And I'm going to be fully honest with you. As you know, if you're familiar with me, I'm a registered Democrat. I'm not being partisan, but damn it, I am being American. Why in the world Biden would do this to America and our allies is beyond anything I could understand. Trump was impeached not once but twice and for a phone call in one case. How about the Biden phone call to the then leader of Afghanistan basically telling him to lie? When Nixon did what Nixon did, 
it was the Republicans, his own party, who went to him and said, Mr. President, you need to step down because we will impeach you. Where are the Democrats? Everything is about illusion, the magic act, cover up. Maybe they want to see the destruction of America. I don't know. Perhaps they said on a radio show earlier this week, maybe Biden's goal is to be the last president of the United States of America. Because the things that he is doing cannot be explained away. And the damage is, at least for the foreseeable future, irreparable. Thousands of terrorists are now in Afghanistan. Americans were left behind. Hopefully, God willing, we will get them out, but who knows? People that were working with our government have been trapped and they're being hunted down, tortured, and killed because of Joe Biden. We keep coming back. The, the tagline to all of this continues to be because of Joe Biden. They are spending, the administration is spending, according to Fox News and other reports, over $5 million a day to not build the wall. The contracts are signed, the materials are, are rotting in the desert. And he said, we're not going to build a wall. Now there's a rumor that he may implement, at least temporarily, the Remain in Mexico policy that Trump implemented so successfully. But other than that, every ounce of Biden's attention is focused on dismantling immigration law enforcement. So let's start out with a fundamental question. And it's a question that I asked about George W. Bush because the way he created DHS violated the Homeland Security Act, violated the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission. Immigration was not supposed to be folded in with other agencies. ICE is Immigration and Customs Enforcement, Customs and Border Protection, uh, separate agencies melded with other agencies makes no sense. And it was the Republicans who continually called me to testify at hearing after hearing after hearing because they were furious over what George W. Bush did when he created DHS after the attacks of 9-11. Both parties are globalists. Trump was the only president in decades to understand the importance of sovereignty. Not so much either party, but Joe Biden has blown the door off the hinges. One of the things that he did is to announce, and let me pull up the articles because it's shocking. It was sent to me by a friend and, and at first, I, I thought, my gosh, this can't, be, this can't possibly be true. But apparently, Biden uh, and, and his administration are telling immigration agents to no longer do work site enforcement. It doesn't matter if you hire illegal aliens. It's okay. You're welcome to do so. Just don't mistreat them. Let's understand that during the administration of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, immigration was under the Labor Department. The whole goal was to protect the jobs and wages of American workers. People say to me, Mike, why are you a Democrat? Why aren't you a Republican? Well, you know, when you listen to the nonsense being spewed by the talking heads, both the Democrats and Republicans want more immigration because the Democrats want votes and the Republicans want cheap labor. And everyone says, yeah, well, that's the way it is. Just stop. Stop. What does cheap labor really mean? And please don't tell me about the work Americans won't do. The only work Americans haven't done to date is make these thieving politicians accountable for their betrayals. Cheap labor, ladies and gentlemen, means displacing hard-working Americans with foreign workers and driving the wages through the floorboard to maximize profits for the fat cat wealthy. My dad was a construction worker. 
he was, as he would have told you if he were alive today, a plumber by trade. It was a lengthy apprenticeship. It went on for years until he finally became a journeyman plumber. Construction is as dangerous a profession as you could imagine. In fact, more people are injured in construction accidents than law enforcement people are killed or injured on duty. It's dangerous. And without construction workers, we'd all be living in an open field. There'd be no hospitals. There'd be no stores. There'd be no factories. There'd be no highways. There'd be no railways. We would be living in caves. We would be living like Freddie Flintstone. Engineers, construction workers, technicians, blue-collar America, folks, is the heart and soul of America. We could do without some of those bloody lawyers and bankers and all those others, you know, the people that move paper around. I love when banks talk about the products that they offer. I didn't know that three-card Monty was a product. But when you stand in front of a building, you know how many men poured their blood, sweat, and tears, and women these days, poured their blood, sweat, and tears into those construction sites. When I was a kid, and I'm now in my 70s, there were just about no women construction workers. And these guys were amazing. No job was too dangerous, too inconvenient, too backbreaking, too filthy. It was a day at work. I literally carried my father off his job his last day of work. He was dying of lung cancer, in part because he smoked Chesterfield, but also because he worked in the Navy shipyards during the Second World War because he wanted to contribute to the war effort. He wanted to get into the military in the worst way possible because his brother, the only other surviving male member of the family, was already in the Army Air Corps because the Sullivan brothers, they wouldn't allow my dad in. So he said, well, if I can't kill the bastards, I can work on the ships to help our, our sailors kill the bastards. And he worked to the last day that he could possibly stand up. He had lost a tremendous amount of weight. His voice was reduced to to a raspy, uh, horrible sound, but he still went to work. And the people he worked with were the same way. They were there to support their families. And then we hear this crap about the work Americans won't do. My gosh, that's like taking a thumb and jamming it into both of our eyes. It's heartless. It's cowardly. It's disgusting. There isn't a damn job an American won't do and do better than anybody else on the planet for a living wage. So when we talk about they want cheap labor, what they really want is to cut the salaries to screw over the people that do the hard work. That's where they were when they make that statement. We were looking for cheap labor. The Democrats used to be the firewall. They used to stand up and say, you're not going to do this. The Democrats used to represent blue-collar, hard-working Americans. That ship sailed. The Democrat Party has lost its mind and lost its moral compass. They're turning into fascists and communists and socialists and totalitarians. They are about control. They are the ultimate control freaks. And I wrote an article not long ago where I said that for the Democrats to succeed, Americans must fail. Because, you see, I've come to the conclusion that Democrats don't simply want to import foreign voters. They want to destroy wages so that everybody has to go to the government for handouts. And once you go to the government for a handout, it's like the kid in the schoolyard who gets hooked on drugs. <laughs> that drug dealer owns those kids who are hooked, and the government wants to own us. And I think it's becoming more and more apparent, isn't it? <clears throat> but even think about that expression, they want to import voters. Why would they need to import voters? Don't we have enough voters in America? Of course we do. 
But the Democrats know that the garbage they're peddling will probably not be approved by enough Americans to help them win an election. So if they can't screw around with requiring ID in the voting booth, and there's nothing about that that's designed to suppress the vote, it's simply about verifying who you are. We need ID to get on an airplane. We need ID to make a purchase with a credit card, folks. So there's a lot of chicanery going on because they want to win elections, not because they're representing Americans the best way possible, because if they were confident that their policies and their proposals and their legislation was in the best interests of Americans, and especially American workers, because there's more workers, there's more Indians than chiefs, right? They should be confident. We're doing such a bang-up job for Americans, of course we're going to win the elections. Well, they're looking at what they've been doing, not for us, but to us, and saying, you know, those Americans are likely to catch on to us, and and we better do something to change the equation, because if they figure out what we're doing, they're going to vote us all out of office. So you've got the Republicans who want to destroy jobs and wages for Americans, and you want Democrats who want to pack the voting booths much the way they want to pack the Supreme Court. We can't get enough Americans to vote for us, so we'll play all kinds of games and we'll import voters. That's how we win the election. Not govern, not do what's right for America or Americans, but win power. Because they are, as I've said in the past, governing under the influence. Under the influence of money, under the influence of their sick, twisted egos. They're governing under the influence. They all are. Except Trump, because he didn't need their money. And that's why they panicked when Trump ran. Does that mean I always agreed with Donald Trump? Absolutely not. I didn't like his communication skills. There were a bunch of things I would have disagreed with Donald Trump about. But I will tell you that in my judgment, his policies were rock solid for the most part. Again, we can go item by item. But the idea of a secure border, absolutely essential to national security, public safety, public health, the jobs and wages of Americans. And, of course, neither party gives a rat's tail about that. There are individual politicians within the parties that do. Jeff Sessions was a sterling example. One of the biggest complaints I had with Donald Trump was how he unceremoniously dumped Jeff Sessions. And I knew Jeff. Jeff actually quoted me from the floor of the United States Senate back around 2006 when I wrote an op-ed for the Washington Times where I said they should rename Comprehensive Immigration Reform the Terrorist Assistance and Facilitation Act because it would entail giving lawful status to millions of aliens who snuck into the country without the capacity to interview them, let alone do field investigations, this would mean that terrorists would have a field day entering the country and acquiring lawful status so they can hide in plain sight as they go about preparations for deadly terrorist attacks. That's what the 9-11 Commission warned about, immigration fraud. But when comprehensive immigration reform was enacted by the Uh, Reagan administration, the selling point besides the amnesty was that finally we will include in the law penalties for anybody who would knowingly hire an illegal alien. The idea was to turn off the magnet that draws the aliens across the border looking for work. Now, when Camilla Harris said that she was going to go to Central America and address the motivation that brings the aliens here, it shows She's either a fool or a liar. I'm not sure which, maybe both. By the way, when I think about Kamala Harris, I think about Tony Soprano and organized crime. 
You know, the mob is infamous for getting civil servants no-show jobs. Don't you get the feeling that Kamala Harris has a no-show job, just saying, something for you to think about over the weekend? See if I'm right or wrong. No-show Kamala. But there are many reasons why aliens are motivated to enter our country illegally. Yes, many of them are desperate. They want a job. I feel bad for them. But we can't bring the world here to solve world hunger. Okay, let's be clear about that. But there are also those who come to America because they are members of the drug cartels or gangs and want to set up shop in America. They want to sell drugs in America, make a ton of money, finance terror along the way. Um, So we have that. We have fugitives from justice. They're wanted for murder and rape and arson and horrible crimes, not just from Latin America. I arrested a guy wanted for murder in Israel. I arrested or helped to bring into custody a woman wanted in Japan for, for drug smuggling into Japan. In fact, the Japanese government uh, gave me a beautiful police medal. They held a proxy ceremony at police headquarters in Tokyo, and the DEA legal attache, the legat, as we referred to him, um, sat in for me or stood in for me, accepted the award, and then sent it to me. And I have a beautiful certificate hanging on the wall of my office at home, and I have a beautiful police medal from the Japanese National Police. This isn't about Latinos or whites or blacks or browns or purples or polka dots. <clears throat> because human nature is human nature. And every race, every religion, every nationality, every ethnicity has the good, the bad, and the ugly. So when people run the border, we don't know if they're simply looking for a job or if they are fugitives or if they're coming here to carry out an attack or open up a a franchise, if you will, and peddle narcotics to our kids. That's why this nonsense that we're going to go to the root cause, uh, what root cause, and from what countries. Go to El Salvador and Guatemala, what does that have to do with China, or Jamaica, or Ghana, or Liberia, or any other country? Because I've arrested people from all those countries, folks. I've arrested Italian mobsters. Because human nature is human nature. I've arrested people who are here illegally from India and Pakistan. This is not about one race or one ethnicity. These are all the lies that we've been spoon-fed by these crooked politicians. To give the redundancy in the term crooked politician. But we were told at immigration that the Immigration Reform and Control Act, or IRCA, of 1986, would finally make it a crime for knowingly hiring illegal aliens. And I will tell you that my colleagues and I were ecstatic because we hated to see these aliens exploited, and they are. And they are. That's why people intentionally hire illegal aliens. It's not an act of compassion. It's an act of exploitation. There's no compassion in exploitation, okay? But they never hired the agents to actually go out and conduct the investigations into the employers that were hiring the illegal aliens. We only have a couple thousand ICE agents, maybe 6,000. But the way Bush put the agency together, most of the time they're not doing immigration work, but they're going after intellectual property crimes and copyright crimes and money laundering and kiddie porn and all sorts of non-immigration crimes. Why? Because Bush is a globalist. I was told that every time I testified before Congress, George W. had a hissy fit and, man, I wish I had a videotape of him spewing all kinds of invectives about me. I was told that he detested me, and that's just fine. 
Uh, I'm as proud of those people that don't like me as I am of my friends because I've acquired both groups for all the right reasons. So the whole idea to the Immigration Reform Act, which gave us that terrible amnesty, was that at least now we could go after the employers. <clears throat> no more. If you are an employer and you get rid of your Americans and you hire illegal aliens, the Biden administration will not lift a finger. But, but they are serious about law enforcement where taxes are concerned because now they want to drill down into people who have transactions and bank accounts at the level of $600. Yes, they're going after the wealthy, going after $600 bank accounts. I'd like to know how many millionaires have a $600 bank account. The lies keep coming. The coercion keeps coming. And, you know, if you can go after anybody on taxes, all you have to do is be careful to only go after those people that politically create a problem for you. Selective enforcement. And it's hard to prove. It's hard to prove. Every time they pass another law, penalties, they provide another opportunity to turn the screws on the people of the United States. The goal is, I believe, control. And that's why they talk about domestic terrorists. And who are the domestic terrorists? Parents who have the goal, the unmitigated chutzpah, to stand up at a parents' association meeting or a school board meeting and demand to know why our kids are being taught critical race theory or why Basically, they're being taught pornography in the first grade. Think about what the parents are upset about. I'm a parent. I have four children. Um, they are my life. They are at the center of my universe and the center of my wife's universe, as are our grandchildren. So imagine you're a parent, and you find out, as one or two parents apparently did in Virginia, that their daughters were raped, allegedly, by a man in a dress. Just stop and think about that. And this was the guy who got tackled, thrown on the ground, handcuffed, and dragged out. Obviously, he was a domestic terrorist. Never mind that his teenage daughter was raped, according to reports. He was supposed to smile and say, oh, sex education, that must have been a lab experiment. Are you kidding me? Have we lost our minds? Our children are being bombarded with propaganda, with indoctrination, with twisted sexual training. And the American people better not interfere, because if they do interfere, they're going to get a knock, knock, knock on the door from the FBI. I'd love to know what my buddies at the FBI, because I had a desk at the Bureau for 10 years. I, I wonder how that sits with the agents. Go to Joe Smith's house. He raised his voice at a school board meeting, and you need to arrest him because he's a possible terrorist. Wow. Wow. Let that sink in. There was not a word in the bulletin as we approached 9-11 about concerns at Homeland Security that terrorists might try to enter the United States by running our borders or committing fraud. But we're going to focus on Americans. And in fact, the bulletin even said that terrorists may turn to the Internet to recruit Americans to commit acts of terror in the United States. So even if we're going to talk about ISIS, Al-Qaeda, whoever, 
It's the Americans that are going to be persuaded to do the dirty work for those foreign terrorist organizations within our own borders. Not a single thought or action being taken to prevent the entry of those terrorists into our country. It blows me away. Hundreds of thousands of aliens have been allowed into the country. Many of them are sick, have not been inoculated. But if you don't get inoculated, you're likely to lose your job. If you're an illegal alien, you have nothing to worry about. They'll provide you with transportation, even though transporting illegal aliens is illegal. It's a crime under the immigration laws. Think about it. And if you look at the Immigration and Nationality Act, um, it's Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182. It has all kinds of great stuff in there. Part of it deals with this whole idea about labor. Labor, because, again, before the Second World War, the immigration enforcement program was run by labor to protect American jobs and wages. It was moved to the Justice Department during the Second World War when the administration, the Roosevelt administration, realized that there were terrorists as saboteurs, if you will, coming to America from Germany and Japan to carry out attacks on America. This, this is national security. We need to go from labor department to justice department so they can work closely with the FBI. That's why it went to justice. Now it's in the Department of Homeland Security. They didn't put it in parks and recreation, did they? They didn't put immigration in with the National Park Service, did they? It's part of Homeland Security, and Biden is doing everything in his power to undermine the enforcement of the immigration laws, even though it's part of the Department of Homeland Security. I call the Department of Homeland Surrender. I want someone at a news conference to ask the president, why are you doing everything you can to undermine the enforcement of laws that after 9-11 were placed into the agency that was created to prevent future terrorist attacks, and now you're ignoring it? And if you read the statements by the 9-11 Commission, you read the statements by John Hostetler, who had been the Republican chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee, he made it perfectly clear. He said it wasn't the failure of customs laws, it wasn't the failure of agriculture, it was a failure of immigration that enabled the terrorists to enter the country, hide in plain sight, and carry out deadly attacks. And Biden is doing everything in his power to flood America with illegal aliens to undermine the enforcement of immigration laws to protect wages and jobs for Americans, to do everything in his power to violate the laws that are supposed to protect Americans from aliens with dangerous communicable diseases. If you go to Section 1182, it enumerates the categories of aliens who are to be excluded from the United States. It begins with aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases, aliens who have not been inoculated, aliens who have severe mental illness. Ellis Island was a quarantine station, I remind you folks. Then they go on to criminals, aliens who are terrorists and human rights violators and fugitives from justice, and on and on and on. And then we get to aliens who have become a public charge, or if they work, would displace Americans and or drive down wages and working conditions for Americans who are similarly employed. It's in the law. This isn't what I'm saying. It's in the law. It's in the damn law. I want to know how anybody who purports to be the person concerned about Americans is doing everything possible to undermine laws that are supposed to protect America and Americans from criminals, from aliens with dangerous diseases, from terrorists and spies and human rights violators and fugitives from justice, drug smugglers, human traffickers. It's all in the law. It's not about race or religion. It's not about brown skin. These lies about how this is racism is bull. 
It's about protecting Americans the way that we protect ourselves on a much smaller scale when we lock our doors at night before we turn in for the night. And Biden is making sure that the doors are wide open and the neon lights are flashing, come one, come all. We'll give you food. We'll give you health care. We'll give you free college. And if you want to talk about the economics, aliens who work in the United States send money home to the tune of tens of billions of dollars, further deepening our debt, further upsetting the balance of trade, further undermining the U.S. economy. Where is the good news in this for Americans? Simple question. Stands up at a school board meeting and says, why are you teaching my children about sex in the third grade? Why are you teaching my children to hate people of a different color? I thought we were supposed to be one country united under that beautiful red, white, and blue flag. Why are you teaching hatred to my children? You make that statement, folks. And with this corrupt attorney general whose family members are very much invested in what they're calling, um, you know, critical race theory, you could expect a knock on the door from the FBI at the direction of the attorney general. And I believe it's his son-in-law who's making a fortune by, 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 by hawking materials that deal with critical race theory. No conflict of interest to see here, folks, is there? It enrages me. If I sound enraged, there's a damn good reason why I am. I'm a parent, but even if you're not, that relationship between parent and child is supposed to be sacrosanct. And all we hear about is social justice. So let me tell you my idea about social justice, and then we'll get to something that's at least as startling about what the Biden administration is doing to undermine America's national security in the face of an enhanced terror threat created by the Biden administration. <clears throat> you need to understand the way that uh, this whole thing comes together is that what Joe Biden has done is, is, is to talk about social justice and all the wackaloon left lunatics on the Democrat Party, social justice. And how does social justice play out? So if you are of color and you're 19 years old and you have a rap sheet long enough to wallpaper your dining room, you should not be put in jail even if you commit rape, murder, and mayhem because you've been unfairly treated. So we're going to turn you loose, even though the most likely victims of violence in those neighborhoods are also kids of color, people of color. Does this make any sense to anybody? We're going to defund the police. I just had this conversation earlier today. Anybody who loses his or her life is a tragedy. Let's be really clear about this. No ifs, ands, or buts. But the number of shootings involving police and, and where, where it's a questionable situation is relatively small. I say relatively because even if it's one, it's, it's one too many. But I've talked about this in the past. Johns Hopkins University did a study back in 2018 or 2019 and found that in the previous year, over 250 thousand people died of medical malpractice in hospitals around the United States. A quarter of a million people. Another university pegged that number at something like 440,000, almost double. Have you heard of anybody saying let's defund hospitals? Of course not. Defund police? 
maybe if there's a problem with the police, we ought to look at recruitment, we ought to look at training, we ought to look at wages and who we're attracting into that tough profession. Maybe we should be looking at technology to give us more non-lethal means of subduing people that are violent beyond tasers. You know, think of all the technology we have. Star Trek provided the incentive for the creation of CAT scans and MRIs. <clears throat> From what I remember reading, some doctors and engineers that were friends with each other were watching Star Trek, and in Star Trek they did everything by electronic devices. And someone said, gee whiz, imagine if we could do that instead of having to do exploratory surgery because a certain number of people are badly injured or even die because of exploratory surgery. They get infections, nerves get cut, all kinds of crazy things might happen. Imagine if a person could go into a machine and the machine can scan the innards of that patient so we can make a proper diagnosis and maybe avoid surgery altogether. And that was how MRIs and CAT scans came about. If you imagine it, maybe you can do it. So maybe the time has come to find technology that can subdue people that don't involve firearms. I think that would be wonderful. Let's look at all kinds of possibilities. But if you really want social justice, it doesn't start when a person is 19 years old and has had numerous contacts with law enforcement and has hurt people. It starts with America's children. A country should look at its own children as their most valuable asset because those children represent the future of the country. If you had a legitimate, moral, and decent government. When I was a kid, and I've talked about this before, General Electric had the GE College Bowl that was similar to Jeopardy. And the idea was that, that teams from different universities would compete for scholarships that were paid for by GE because the executives at General Electric and the executives at companies like Westinghouse looked at American school children as their future employees. They said, you know what? If we turn out better science majors, we'll have better engineers and better scientists and better chemists and better biologists. No more. They don't want Americans to work for them. The Walt Disney Company, you know, what could be more American than Walt Disney? You just won the Super Bowl. Where are you going? I'm going to Disney World, right? Disney fired all their programmers and replaced them with people from India. They don't give a rat's tail about Americans. All they want from us, folks, is our money. Come and spend your money on us, and we will make sure that you don't get a job. We'll get people from India and other third world countries who will work for a half of what the average American would expect and not get any fringe benefits whatsoever. How wonderful. That's where we are. So when you have children living in the chaos and poverty of the inner cities with no opportunities for jobs, and they're being taught by their teachers and by the politicians that their situation is hopeless because of white supremacists, almost sounds like the way the Jews were vilified in the years leading up to the Holocaust. My family was decimated in the Holocaust because I am a Jew. I was named for my mother's mother who was slaughtered in Poland because of our religion. My mother was able to escape. My grandmother couldn't, and I was named for her. So now the person to be feared and hated are white Americans, apparently. White privilege. And who's telling us this? Old white men. Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, white people are the evil evils. My mother came here at the age of 13 and lived by herself in a rooming house and supported herself. Didn't get money from anybody. 
supported herself at 13, working in a sweatshop, making umbrellas $3 a week. She had tons of white privilege. What we really need is critical empathy theory to understand that life is a tough proposition for everybody. We should be rooting for everyone. We should be helping each other out as fellow Americans. We should stand united to wipe out poverty and crime and drug addiction and disease to create the greatest opportunities for American children, particularly Americans living in poverty. That's how you have social justice. Every time a child living in poverty gets a degree and has a successful professional career, that is a home run for America and for social justice, if you really want social justice. But that's not what Pelosi, the ice cream queen, wants. What hooks for standing in front of her $27,000 freezer, flaunting her ice cream on a night when Americans didn't know if they could feed their own children because she doesn't give a rat's tail. And it's remarkable how many tens of millions of dollars she's worth given that she makes 150 or something thousand a year as a member of Congress. Boy, she did a great job saving those paychecks, didn't she? And many of them are wealthy. Isn't that remarkable? Come to Washington poor, run for office, and make out like a bandit, perhaps. Who knows? It leaves questions, doesn't it? And I was on the phone today with an old friend of mine who became a supervisor at DHS. I, I helped him when he was a brand-new agent. He's younger than I am. He just retired. We got into this big conversation. He's also an officer in the Army, served in the Middle East. And I said, here's the problem with politicians, because he told me that some woman said that Joe Biden, her son was one of the people killed in Afghanistan, and she said, Joe Biden is not the president. He's a senator occupying the Oval Office. I said, well, here's the problem. As an agent, it was easy to develop a metric to see if I was earning my keep, doing my job. How many cases did you investigate? How many arrests did you make? How many weapons did you seize? How many drugs did you take off the street? There was lots of ways of measuring the success or lack of success of a field agent. Same thing with a doctor. How many patients do you treat? How many of your surgeries were successful? Same thing with a prosecutor. What do you have to do to be declared a successful Congress member or a successful senator? What's the metric? How much money you can accept from people that bribe you? How many people you could con into voting for you? How about real-world achievements, passing laws that accomplish what? Let's look at where the laws are. And while we're on that topic, if a doctor, through malpractice, kills someone, that doctor's in deep trouble. He or she may be sued. They may lose their, pra- their license to practice. They may be prosecuted. Sanctuary cities have killed people like you won't believe. Have you ever heard of a mayor or a governor or a chief of police going to jail for refusing to cooperate with ICE? If that isn't malfeasance, I don't know what is. So the carnage goes through the roof. We hear about a police shooting where a cop maybe should never have been a police officer, that everyone jumps all over police in general, and the great majority are decent, honest, and moral. I know I've had the privilege of working with many cops. But when politicians tie the hands of law enforcement and people die, there are no consequences. So how do you evaluate politicians? There is no honest way of evaluating a politician. Therein lies a problem. So we know now that Biden wants to create more opportunities and more incentives for aliens to run the border because now they know that even if they get a job 
immigration is not going to do anything to them, even if they're here illegally and working. Now, the Washington Times published this article two days ago, Wednesday, October 13th. Here's the headline. Exclusive, DHS drafts a plan to allow fraudsters to keep citizenship. Memo would constrain the ability to pursue denaturalization cases. And I want you to understand what that means. Aliens want to become United States citizens for a number of reasons. Many just want to become Americans the way my mom did, the way that my first wife's parents who went through the Holocaust came to America. It took them years, by the way. And they've, they've passed away since. But they told me that the day before they took the citizenship test, they were up all night, scared to death, worried to death. My mother-in-law told me she spent half the night in the bathroom. She was that worked up. When you answer the questions for citizenship, they need to know, are you using your real name? Have you ever been arrested? Are you involved with terrorism? Are you involved with criminal organizations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? The Nazis came to America after the Second World War with fake names, and for decades, the Nazi hunters, and I helped them with one case. It was a great delight for me. The Nazi hunters under the Justice Department scooped up Nazis who came to America, concealed their murderous backgrounds, concealed their identities. They were prosecuted. Some of them went to jail, and they were all ultimately deported back to wherever it is they came from. It makes sense. Not anymore. And it's interesting because Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of DHS, who used to be the head of Citizenship and Immigration Services, the agency that adjudicates applications for this sort of thing, guarded the reputation of ordering his people to approve anything and everything that landed on their desks or else. To yes or else. And he fired people. He demoted people. He was an absolute breathing, living, breathing tyrant. The people at Citizenship and Immigration Services complained to the Office of Inspector General, Internal Affairs, if you will. They conducted an investigation and found that he had forced people to approve applications for visas that under the law should never have been and could never have been properly been approved, including visas that were frequently used by spies and terrorists from Iran, China, and elsewhere. And when the Republicans raised that issue at his confirmation hearing, the Republicans were rebuffed and they were accused of simply attacking an appointee of Joe Biden. Nice guy. I don't know if you know this, but I wrote about it. When our guys raided the bin Laden compound, among the items they found in his library was a copy of the 9-11 Commission report and an application for United States citizenship. Citizenship provides the keys to the kingdom. And you may not know this, but when an alien naturalizes, he or she can say that they want a new name on the day that they naturalize. I want to sound more American. I don't want to sound like someone from Uzbekistan or someone from Poland or someone from Nigeria. I want to sound American. And that's fine. I, I'm, I'm all for it. No extra charge. You can change your name. But their U.S. passports only reflect their new name. So we are basically putting people in their own witness protection program. It's crazy. And one of my buddies, an inspector at a major airport, he's since retired, but he told me, he said, Mike, I had a guy come into my booth with a passport U.S. passport, it said he was born in Beirut, Lebanon. He had an Anglo-sounding name, wouldn't tell me the name because my top secret had expired and I didn't have a need to know, which is fine. So let's say his name is Robert Anderson. That sounds Anglo. And he punched the name into the computer, as he's supposed to do when people seek to return to the United States. And it came back no problem. 
Now, there's only two ways that you could have U.S. citizenship. You're either born in the United States, or three ways, or born to American parents outside the United States, or you naturalize. Well, this guy, you know, maybe was born to a mother who was an American, but the inspector looked at him and listened to his voice, and he said his accent was as thick as, as you could imagine, and he kind of looked Arabic. He certainly had a heavy Arabic accent. He had a problem understanding him to an extent. So we asked him a simple question. What was your name before you naturalized? Being a good inspector, doing a thorough job. And the guy told him what his original name was. Well, when he punched that name into the computer, all the bells and whistles went off and smoke started pouring out of the machine. Why? He was a wanted international terrorist. And for four years, while we had that passport, because there were all these stamps in the passport, this wanted international Middle Eastern terrorist had traveled extensively throughout Latin America, Europe, and the Middle East, maybe scoping out locations, maybe arranging assassinations. God only knows. He immediately called the FBI and the Joint Terrorism Task Force, sent a bunch of agents down. They were there within five minutes, and they scooped him up. And he said, Mike, we need to have that original name in the passports, and I agree, and I raised that issue at congressional hearings to no avail. I raised that issue with Mike Chertoff, and we both spoke at Chapman Law School about 11 years ago, and he said, Mr. Cutler, you have no idea how political this is. And I looked him in the eye. I said, Mr. Chertoff, are you kidding me? For the price of less than a penny's worth of ink, you could put the original name in the passport, and it would not only protect America, but our allies. God knows what damage this guy did traveling all over the world under an assumed identity that we gave him. He had access to our airplanes. He had access to office buildings. He had access to everything. He had no answers. So now we will no longer pursue people who lie on their applications. Now, here's an interesting follow-on. On May 5th, 2021, Senator Chuck Grassley, and I know Chuck Grassley's folks. In fact, it was Senator Grassley who called me as a witness to testify at an immigration hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee back in 2000 and, gosh, I think it was 2013. That was a long time ago, eight years ago. Chuck is a good guy. So here was the headline on his website, the U.S. Senate website, Asylum Citizenship Frauds are Hired as an Immigration Adjudicator. Let me start out reading this to you. This was just this year, May 5th, 2021. Series of failures allowing immigration frauds to adjudicate immigration petitions raises serious concerns about the vetting protocols. Think about all these Afghanis who are coming to America now. And here's how it reads. Washington, a man who fraudulently obtained asylum and U.S. citizenship was hired by the Obama administration to adjudicate the very immigration petitions and forms on which he repeatedly lied. The case has Senator Chuck Grassley, the Republican ranking member from Iowa on the Senate Judiciary Committee, raising new questions about immigration vetting protocols. The individuals work at USCIS and USCIS's response to the serious allegations made in the case. Modesto Wagubwo Ifimembi was recently indicted for obtaining American citizenship using a false name, but not before he worked for seven years as an immigration officer for citizenship and immigration services. Think of the enormity of this. God only knows who he provided with lawful status, who perhaps was involved with criminal activities or terrorism. I was an adjudications officer for a year, and I can't tell you how many times people offered me bribes. 
And, of course, I turned them down. And many times I felt that they were doing it simply because they came from corrupt countries where this was the accepted way of doing business. We did the marriage interviews, and the people were obviously living together, but they still thought they had to, you know, do something above and beyond. And, of course, I, I told them, if you keep pursuing this, we're going to have to put handcuffs on you. We don't do that here. This is not how America works. Now, we did occasionally see people get jammed up because they did what they shouldn't do. I actually had a guy, I mean, and, and, and the bribes were unbelievable. One guy said, I own a restaurant. You can bring your family once a week, and we'll be glad to, to have dinner for you. Another guy ran an auto repair shop. He said, from now on, bring your car to me. I'll take care of you. One guy even offered to have his sister go on a quote-unquote date with me. I kid you not, from all over the world, from all over the world. And in some cases, it was so clear that something was really wrong, we referred that to the investigations branch, and they in turn referred it to the U.S. Attorney's Office. So you have an individual giving out the keys to the kingdom, and yet he himself had committed a felony by lying about his identity, about his nationality, and making a false claim for political asylum. And he worked for seven years for the Department of Homeland Surrender under the Obama administration. Wow. This takes my breath away. And what is Joe Biden doing? From now on, we're not going to pursue these cases. And it was funny because that's something else that Donald Trump addressed. He created a fraud unit, and I wrote about it, to go after these fraudsters because they pose a clear danger to U.S. national security. I want someone to say to Joe Biden, explain what you're doing. Very simple. The flood of humanity on the southern border. Now you will no longer go after people who hire illegal aliens. You will no longer go after people who lie on applications for visas. Are you kidding me? Someone needs to ask some serious questions, but we don't have serious journalists, folks. That's the point. The point. By the way, on April 7, 2021, the Justice Department issued a press release. Federal immigration official originally from Nigeria charged with illegally obtaining U.S. citizenship under a fake identity. I mean, what are we doing? And you would think in the wake of that, the president would say we need to tighten up to make sure this doesn't happen again. What Biden is saying basically is we better make sure no one gets caught again. Wow. Does that not take your breath away? I, I don't understand it. But I want to know why this isn't making the rounds in the major news organizations. Where are they? Asleep at the switch? And, 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 you know, I did my very first congressional hearing. I've testified before something like 17 hearings in the House and Senate. My very first hearing was focused on immigration fraud and visa fraud. It was back on May 20th, 1997, four and a half years before, before the terror attacks of 9-11. And the reason for that hearing were the terror attacks in 1993, a shooting at the CIA by a Pakistani by the name of Kansi, and then one month later in February 93, the bombing at the Trade Center. All involved aliens who one way or another committed fraud. They lied. They lied. So let, let me just read to you about fraud and, and about alien smuggling. Um, there was a report called 9-11 Commission Staff Report on Terrorist Travel. And page 46 and 47 had this, this bit of information. 
This is about the World Trade Center bombing, February 1993. Three terrorists who were involved in the first World Trade Center bombing reportedly traveled on Saudi passports containing an indicator of possible terrorist affiliation. Three of the 9-11 hijackers also had passports containing the same indicator. In addition, Ramzi Yusuf, the mastermind of the attack, and Ahmed Ajaj, who was able to direct aspects of the attack, despite being in prison for using an altered passport, traveled under aliases using false documents. The two of them were found to possess five passports, as well as numerous documents supporting their aliases, a Saudi passport showing signs of alteration, an Iraqi passport bought from a Pakistani official, a photo-substituted Swedish passport, a photo-substituted British passport, a Jordanian passport, identification cards, bank records, education records, and medical records. And then this report goes on and says this. Once terrorists had entered the United States, their next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. For example, Yusuf and Ajaj concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. Mahmoud Abu Alima, involved in both the World Trade Center and landmark plots, received temporary residence under the Seasonal Agricultural Worker Program after falsely claiming they picked beans in Florida. Mohammed Salome, who rented the truck used in the bombing, overstayed his tourist visa that applied for permanent residency under the Agricultural Worker Program, but was rejected. Ayad Mahmoud Ishmael, who drove the van containing the bomb, took English language classes at Wichita State University in Kansas on a student visa. After he dropped out, he remained in the United States out of status. Page 61 states, exploring the link between human smugglers and terrorists. In July 2001, the CIA warned of a possible link between human smugglers and terrorist groups, including Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Egyptian Islamic Jihad. Indeed, there is evidence to suggest that since 1999, human smugglers have facilitated the travel of terrorists associated with more than a dozen extremist groups. With their global reach and connections to fraudulent document vendors and corrupt government officials, Human smugglers clearly have, quote, the credentials necessary to aid terrorist travel. Finally, terrorists in the 1990s, as well as the September 11th hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans were to come to fruition. As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status, or applying for asylum after entering. Think of what's going on with asylum overwhelmed now as it is. In many cases, the act of filing for an immigration benefit sufficed to permit the alien to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Terrorists. Terrorists were free to conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contacts in the United States, acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. Immigration fraud was the biggest threat. Immigration fraud will no longer apparently be pursued by this administration. Why in the world is no one questioning Jen Psaki or Biden or no-show Kabbalah? This isn't a game. I lived through 9-11. I fear that these chickens will come home to roost, and it may well cost many Americans their lives. We need to have these conversations with our neighbors, friends and folks. We need to have conversations not about personalities, not about accusations, just cold, hard facts. When an administration thinks that its own citizens are terrorists for looking out for their very own children and ignoring the threats posed by foreign terrorists, you know that we are going the wrong way on a one-way street and we're picking up speed. 
please get involved. I always like to remind you that democracy is not a spectator sport. Check out my article at front page. Share it with as many people as you can, and particularly share the link to this podcast with your friends and neighbors. Be well. Have a great weekend.